Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Kelly Russell. I am a mentee of Tom Tuktal Cunningham's, and I will serve as your guest today, or serve as your host today. Our guest today is Kathy hum- Dr. Kathy Humphrey. Dr. Humphrey is the newly appointed Senior Vice Chancellor for Engagement and Chief of Staff at the University of Pittsburgh. In her new role, she will concentrate on internal and external relations, focusing on facilitating business engagement, strategic initiatives and partnerships, and government interaction at all levels. She will work closely with the University of Pittsburgh Chancellor Patrick Gallagher and Pitt Senior Management to position the university to have maximum impact in the region, the Commonwealth, and beyond. For the past nine years, she has, ser- she has served as Pitt's Vice Provost and Dean of Students. Dr. Humphrey has been the recipient of numerous awards and recognitions. She was honored as a recipient of the YWCA Tribute to Women Leadership Award in Education and was selected as a member of the New Pittsburgh Courier's 50 Women of Excellence. She also received the University of Pittsburgh's African American Alumni Council Inaugural Sankofa Award and has been chosen the Pitt Administrator of the Year the past four years by the student body. Most recently, she was one of 32 women from 13 countries chosen to participate in the International Women's Forum Leadership Foundation Fellows Program. Dr. Humphrey, it's a pleasure to have you today. Are you with us? I am, and it is a pleasure to be with you as well. Uh, thank you for taking the time out and uh, being a participant in this. This is my first solo interview. I'm sure we can make this through a very good time. You are a very distinguished lady right there. Just going through your bio, I'm like, wow. And uh, <laughs> just so everybody knows, I had the pre- pleasure of hearing Dr. Humphrey speak last uh, last month at a leadership breakfast event at Duquesne University, and uh, she brought the house down, so to speak. So um, let's get into the questions, Dr. Humphrey. Uh, One, why is it crucial that an individual's life work line up with their purpose of their life? Well, you know, if you think about um, your life uh, as a holistic entity, we work most of our lives. We are children from about, for about 18 years, Uh, Some of us, even as children, did not have the pleasure of uh, not working. I started working at 12 years old. Uh, I got my first paycheck at 12 years old. Uh, And uh, but uh, fortunately for many people, they get to start don't start working until after the age of 18. But if you think about the amount of time that we work, um, that if that work can be meaningful work, and I don't really care what it is. If if you can get somewhere in doing something that is more than just going uh, through the motions, but your work is in this, you're in the situation where your work is literally so much a part of your life that you feel like you are living while you are at work, uh, then I think uh, you have lived uh, an incredible life. Uh, I, I talk oftentimes about how many how many times 
people work until they retire. That that's their goal. I'm gonna I'm gonna work and then I'm gonna retire at X age. And then, you know, it appears the next phrase that they would use and then they're gonna start living. But reality is is that all of us die in retirement. So you 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 have to find work that you can find that's fulfilling, that is purposeful, that is meaningful, so that your life uh, it really stands for something. That is, that is so true. When you say that, um, what is it? I, I can't remember. It was Zig Ziglar? I first heard it from, but I've heard it from so many people. If you enjoy what you're doing, you'll never work a day in your life. Absolutely, and it's something that I, you know, I say to our students. I say to them oftentimes. I hope that you will leave the University of Pittsburgh and that you will never work, but that you will be engaged in uh, activities that are so meaningful to you that you feel like you are living right where you stand in your position. I I couldn't agree more. It's like... Uh, if you enjoy what you're doing at work, if you're adding value to your life and to other people's lives, that's one of those things that can bring you joy. That's why you hear so many people like I don't, uh, who really enjoy their jobs. Like I'm not going to work. I have a passion for what I do. I love what I do. I love helping right. people. I love serving people. That whole thing of servant yeah. leadership comes into play there. If you can be a, a, a leader and a helper to others, you add so much more value to other people's lives, mo- more so than your own life. Absolutely. Uh, also, what role does the soul play in the workplace? Well, you know, the soul is the will, the intellect, the emotion, and the imagination. So if you think about that, the, the, the totality of the soul, and that, that's the soul is who we really are. You know, it's the, the, what everybody knows us by is just our container called our bodies. But the soul is really what goes to work. And if you don't take all of you there, that means that you've left pieces of you behind that don't get to engage until you get out of work. But in actuality, if you take your will, and, 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 and your will is your drive, and you take your intellect, all that you know, and you take your emotion, your passion. That's where that's where the passion for the work comes in. You know that that's what I I, I love about uh, what I do every day. I, I my emotions are very engaged with it, and 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 then you take that imagination. That imag- you you really can't begin to have vision if you can't imagine something greater. You can't have vision of something greater, and so. You know, uh, I believe that, uh, that, you know, a lack of vision, the people crumble, the systems perish. If you can't see something greater always happening, then you really cannot uh, rise to the place that you should be. You don't get to live uh, in the spaces that you should live in because you're never enabled to act in, interact your entire being into the work that you have chosen to do. And I really, again, I don't really care what that work is. You need to say, can I take all of me there? You know, you, you can go and work anywhere, but can you take your soul there, which means the totality of your existence. And when you take that soul there, uh, can, can you really use all pieces of you to really make the places where you stand greater and better is what, what, uh, what helps us to have a fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. Once again, I agree with that point. It's like um, I'm, I'm sure you listened to Les Brown. I remember him telling stories before talking about how, 
You know, when he was in a job he didn't like, he'd be watching the Sunday afternoon football game or basketball game, and then he'd start dreading once the game was getting near the end. It's like, oh, i got to go to work to Monday. And uh, then mm-hmm. you've heard, I'm sure you've heard the stat before where people say heart attacks occur most on a Monday morning between 7 and 9, and it's the whole mm-hmm. thing that people would rather die than go to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is really, you know, and, and you know what's so interesting about that is that's the condition that most people are in. You know, most people don't like where they're going on Monday morning. It, it, and it's pretty fascinating when you think about it. Most people are pretty excited when they get that job. But something happens. Something happens in between them getting the job, starting the job, uh, doing the work of the job, some of the routine work of the job, and getting that first paycheck, the second paycheck, but something happens where the excitement goes away and it becomes mundane and it becomes routine and it and it and it becomes some place where you are depleted as opposed to completed. Uh, and and that that happens when you are in a place where you are not designed to be. Uh, and so the ultimate goal has to be that you are trying to find work that you were created and designed to do because it's out there. Right, right. And you, I like how you talk about you're in a place where you're designed not to be. And, and they mm-hmm. always say that the biggest fight you ever have in life is with your inner voice. And that there's mm-hmm. times that inner voice can discourage you from doing something, and there's times that that inner voice can let you know, like, yeah, the paycheck might be good, but you are miserable. Think about what you've become. Think about how you Absolutely. get out at people. Think about the weight you've gained. Just think about every day you wake right. up and you're just miserable. Right. Absolutely. Kind of, oh, I agree. And that kind of leads And no matter what, I mean, no matter what, when you, when you put something in a container that does not fit, mm-hmm. it is always a problem. You just think about that from, the, from the, just the physical position of that. If you stuff something in a container that does not fit, you can never close it, right? right. You can never close it. You, you may change the shape of it, but it does not. It, 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 and, and the container does not get to do what it was actually created to do uh, and to preserve it or protect it as it should because it's not being used correctly. And we're the same way. We take our containers with our soul full of it in it, and we place it in places where it should not be. And, you know, oftentimes in my presentations, you know, I talk about look, look, at, look at how our environment works so beautifully because everything in our environment does what it was created to design to do. The sun always heats. You don't see the sun trying to be the moon. The sun is, is just the sun. It does what it was designed to do. The grass is always on the ground. It never tries to grow in midair. You know, dolphins are never in the middle of the ocean. In the, I mean, never in the middle of the desert, you know, saying I'm a survivor. You know, these are things I often say, but humans, we're always somewhere we shouldn't be, doing something that we shouldn't do, and then we have the audacity to complain about it. <laughs> <laughs> So true. It's like I can't stand this place. I don't like it. Well, change. I don't want to change. I kind of like. I'm comfortable where I am. I've made it. But you're not happy, right? And that's so true. You're not happy. You're really happy. Yeah. And then when you're not happy, and then and then we get mad at the we get mad at the place as opposed to getting mad at ourselves for staying in the place. Right. 
Right. That's and then, you know, we don't want to work as hard. We only will do what they absolutely ask us to do. We've gotten mad at the place when we should be mad at ourselves because we have left ourselves in the, in the place. The other piece about that is you can go to a place and it can be perfectly lined up with your design and then the place can change and then you stay and then you never really find your placement place again as opposed to exiting. But you have to have some boldness to be able to live like that. Right. And it's funny how you say that. I don't I don't know about you, but I, I think of people I've worked with in my past. And, well, they don't pay me enough to do that. Or mm-hmm. that's not in my job description. Yes. I'm going to just do as much as I can until they tell, until they throw me out the door. Exactly. I always think on think on resume or on a job description how it says other duties as a sign. Mm-hmm. Like, just do it. Just get up and just do it. But that, that once again, that inner fight that people have where they've reached that point is like, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of everyone. I'm just tired. And I'm just going to just be miserable in myself and lash out at you as opposed to trying to change my situation. Exactly. My environment. Right. Exactly. So how- and I'm going to lash out to you because of the condition of my own soul. That's what it is. So how or, you know, baking, you know the, the other piece of that is I don't feel like I'm valuable enough. You know, you guys aren't paying me enough. Mm-hmm. You have to have value for yourself first. They don't value right. me. It's nothing you should ever concern yourself with. Do you value you? Right. Because if you value you, you will make some decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and along with that value point, I also think about, like, they always talk about wh- your why in life. If you can find a why that's greater than you, if you can find a reason to work for something other than you, mm-hmm. I think that can help inspire people as well. They always say, uh, I why too. it's got to be so great it makes you cry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. It, and I, I, me personally, I, I, my wife and I have a four-year-old daughter, and it's like no matter what I go through or how tired I am, I'm like, look, this little girl's going to private school, and i got to make right. sure she keeps going to private school. So anything I do is not for me, it's for her. So I agree that right. people have to find something to move them, to bring them out of their lowest part and keep them going when things are tough for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's that North Star. You know, what, what, what is sustaining you? What is bringing you through? You know, for me, you know, for me, my life is guided by my faith, you know. My, my, and everybody has to find their own, you know. But for me, right. it's, you know, like I'm a Christian, and because I'm a Christian, I have to do certain things. But ultimately, because I'm a Christian, I have to line up with the purpose that that was given to me. And I and I do think that's interesting. The point that you bring bring out, you know, because once you are when you start living out your purpose, you can't help but to start living so that others live. Hmm. Right, and, and I like how you bring up faith because I think faith plays a role in so many other in so many people's lives. Like. Uh, there was a statement I once saw, a video I once heard by Art Williams, and he talked about God's got to come first, your family's got to come second, and business mm-hmm. has got to come third. And I'm like, wow, that's mm-hmm. really it when you think about it, faith, mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. business, in that order. And I think when you put God first and allow him to dictate and control your life and like, Lord, I can't handle this. I need you to help exactly. me away or give exactly. me a sign. What am I supposed to do? Give it to God and let him figure it out for you on your, and let him figure it out for you. That's right. And believe that he will place you where you need to be. 
you know, if you uh, if you have that kind of relationship, you know. And and to be perfectly honest with you, you know, I don't often talk about this when I'm at you know at professional places. But, you know, because you're interviewing me, if I didn't tell you, uh, you know, that is my secret sauce, right? <laughs> if I didn't tell you about my secret sauce, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be giving you the whole story because there is something that's driving my soul. But when I'm in that workplace, right, that, that, that piece of me just has to operate. You know, it can't be, you know, I'm doing this because I'm a Christian. No, it's got to be I'm operating as I believe that I am called to operate in this workspace and in this workplace. And you and you have to figure all of that out for yourself again to be taking every ounce of who you are into that space and working with it. Right. And I, I personally like that expression secret sauce. You hear that with so many different restaurants or even like I remember my grandmother's cooking back in the day when I was a young kid. It's like oh, I'm gonna put my little special recipe on this thing about what it is. <laughs> I love doing into place, 
then I have to say, how can I do it in a way that makes the world greater? And I tell you, if you can do those things, you can find it. But but we have callings that we deny every day, right? So I'm definitely, it is definitely, I have taken on the purpose of being a mom. And that's a big calling. It's a big purpose. And so that creates, that helps me to go to work and do some of the other things that I do, just as you for your daughter. You know, I'm, I, I, am, I have been designed and created to be a wife. And so that's, that's an important role for me that I should be trying to cultivate and manage and make better and make stronger every single day uh, because that is how the gifts that you have really come into focus when you give them attention and you nurture that gift and you create it and you develop it and you spend time with it. You know, the concert artist never becomes a concert artist, artist just because she likes playing the piano or he likes playing the piano. They become a concert artist because they work at it and they because they hold that gift and they mold it and they nurture it and they feed it and they train it. And it's the same thing you have to do with your own raw purposes. You've got to find it. You've got to nurture it. You've got to feed it. You've got to drop it. You've got to put it into place. That's how you do it. There are so many nuggets in that whole statement you just gave. A couple of pieces I, talk, uh, I take out of it is how you talk about your gifts. And I remember hearing somebody, if you learn to develop your gifts, your gifts mm-hmm. can take you many places that you can mm-hmm. never imagine. And mm-hmm. then I think about you talking about working on your gifts and getting to a sense of mastery. And they talk about mastery is like 10,000 hours of honing your craft. And even within mastery, it's like and uh, you have to find out what three specific things are you really good at or what three mm-hmm. specific things you need to help do your job. If you master those three specific things, that do that are purposed within your job that can take you far in life, and I, I find that so true. People always want to put so many things on a big board, but it's like you have to just break it down to the very small, minute Absolutely. things to help take you forward. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm just in total agreement with you right here. Uh, what tips would you give for professionals become more self-aware? You know, that that goes back into asking yourself, right? And really, it really goes to the core of that purpose again. And, um, you know, most leaders um, are either successful or not successful because they're not self-aware, because they are or they're not self-aware. And that means that, you know, have you ever worked for someone who you just thought, you don't even know who you are? or you don't realize the impact that you're making or what you are able to do and what you are not able to do. You know, great leaders know what they don't know. They know they know what they don't know, and they try to find people to work with them that know what they know. Great leaders are not, a, are not afraid uh, to have someone working for them who's smart. And, you know, and I never say smarter than them because there's really no such thing as that. We're all smart in our own way, and we all have a lot of knowledge in our own, in our own systematic uh, systems. But, but the reality is, is that they are not afraid of talented people because they're very self-aware about their own talent, and they're very confident 
in their own talents. And when you're confident in your own talent and you know that you are in the place where you're designed to be, somebody else being great does not shake you, rattle you, or roll you, but it, but it, but it increases you. So true, and I like how you talk about leadership in regards to leader, and sometimes you have to not necessarily be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Like I remember listening to a, uh, um, a, uh, a lesson from Darren Hardy of Success Magazine. He was interviewing some CEO, and the CEO is like, look, if I have a marketing idea that my chief marketing officer ha- doesn't have, we're in problem." If I come up with some type of innovation for something to help our IT department that my CIO doesn't have, we've got a serious issue here. And and that's one Mm -hmm. of the key things of leadership is knowing when to delegate and let the people who you put in charge take charge and do their job. But I I can't speak for you. I personally have encountered way too many people who always want to be the chief and can't just delegate to their Indians, so to speak, who they want to put in charge of others. It's like I'm going to control this. I'm the I'm Oz. I'm the grand. I'm the uh, the greatest person of all. And all we right. now and do as I, as I say, as opposed to letting the people who are in leadership positions do what they need to do, and you just sit back and watch everything uh, just kind of play itself out. That is that right. is so true. So true, oh, man. It's so true. Good. Uh, what are some of the most important aspects of leadership? Well, I, I think if I uh, the the ultimate aspect for me for leadership is is, is Robert Greenleaf, and when he says that a real leader is willing to serve others until they're ready to serve themselves, and a real leader for me has a servant's heart, and they say, "I will do." Really, I will do whatever it takes to get my team to the point where they are self-sufficient. One way I always know that it's time for me to change positions is that I have developed the people around me to the point where they really can operate without me. Usually when you go into a system, uh, the team has to figure out how to operate. Then they have to figure out how to operate together and then they have to figure out how to operate efficiently, and then they have to figure out how to operate at a very, very, very advanced level. When you can get your team to the point where they can do all of those things, operate efficiently, begin to create vision for themselves, begin to make new systems happen, begin to make the system work without your input, you have indeed been a leader because you can leave that system and it can function well without you. If your system falls completely apart because you're not there, you've not done a good job because, first of all, you didn't put the systems in place that were sustainable. What you did was make sure that you were always the almighty. That's not leadership. Right. I kind of like to take a a side note off of that question. How, How would you work with an individual who's like that? the one who won't necessarily help spur their people on to lead without them, one of those people who's the micromanager. How would you work with a person like that or help them to realize that as great as they think they are, they're not? Well, I I, I think a lot of it has a lot to do with the relationship you have with the leader. You know, if you have a very close relationship with the leader, and the leader depends on you to show him or her who they are. 
You know, I have people that work with me in the past, and, and I'm in a new job now, and I have to do, and I'm trying to develop this even now, who will show me who I am. Not in a way where there's like, let me tell you who you are. Not in that way. But they will say things and they will create systems and they will um, bring me information and will, it will help me. To, it will help me to see how I am functioning in the environment. You know, it's they, they, they will serve as my feedback. Now, if you if you're in that position, I think you can go kind of right at it, sit down side and say, listen, here's what I see. Here's what I think I see you doing, right? And is that what you want to be doing? Because really, at the end of the day, the supervisor or the leader, whomever it is, is the leader. And, you're, and, you, and, your, and your words will, alone will not dethrone them. And you want to make sure that you are not dethroned in the process of giving feedback. So you've got to be careful with this, right? The, but if you are not in that position of being able to be the consumdant, if you're not in that position of being able to be the person who provides the leader with feedback, then what you have to do is you have to determine, am I able to work around the uh, the esteem of the leader? Am I able to be successful in spite of the weaknesses that they may have. Now, the reality is every leader has some weaknesses, every single one, because they are what we call humans, and humans will always have some faults uh, within them. So but and so the, every day you have to decide, am I able to be successful in spite of their weakness? If you if you can answer that question, yes, you still may be in the very very well may be in the right place because remember there's a lot to learn from other people's weaknesses. Probably some of the best leadership information I have is not the positive information I've received. It's it's working with leaders in my past, my distant past, that uh, were not strong, and I could see the effect of it in our organization and in our environment. And, and I learned so much from their poor leadership to make sure that I wasn't doing the same kinds of things uh, when I became the leader. For example, I had a supervisor when I first began my career who just couldn't give feedback. No matter what, you could ask her, you could, you could prompt her, you could say, look, I need some help. She just was not going to get feedback. You knew that she wasn't pleased, but you just didn't know why. And I thought, I will never be that person. And so today, I'm pretty direct. You know, when, when somebody's doing something that I don't like uh, in our operation, I, I am respectful. I pull them aside. I coach them. And I let them know because I don't think it's fair to allow somebody to uh, to drown uh, or not to have that information. So so I think, I think that's what you have to do. To, when you're managing up, and that's what we all have to do, we have to manage up, you have to say, what position am I in to manage up? And... Or as I manage up, what am I? How do I manage around my uh, leader or supervisor's weaknesses? Once again, I, I agree with you. And a couple points I took out. I, I think about learning from the leader, especially their weaknesses. Like I like you. I, I think about some of the leaders I've had in my past, and you know, when they get to that leadership position that they have, it's like it was okay. I make sure I. Don't do that. I make sure not. I, I I go with communication as well because I find communication is key. It's one thing about how you talk to people and how you dress them. I say don't yell, don't belittle, don't invoke fear. 
Don't create mm-hmm. a, a, a negative environment in the workplace, going back to some of our earlier points, where people just dread going to work. I feel if people are happy or happy to come to work, that makes the work environment a lot better. If you talk to people like they're respectable adults, if you actually show that you care about them not only as a worker but as, a, as an individual, as a, as a mother or a father or brother or sister, whatever type of role they have within their family, that I feel that makes the work environment very good. I think about one of my current supervisors, the fact he'll come around, talk to us every day, talk about how's the family. I know about his family. Uh, my daughter has a situation. His granddaughter has a situation. We'll talk about that. But showing that you actually care about people, that, that's one of right. the best things you do. Some people always think they want monetary uh, reward, but sometimes it's just, just to know that you're cared about and valued as an individual that I think is so key that it's the little things that I think people sometimes want. Yeah, it's great to get the bonus. It's great to get the, the raise every once in a while. But, you know, just show me that I count as a person. And I think exactly. that's kind of missed at times. It's huge. It is huge that people feel like you see them. You see them and you see them as human and that you care. You cannot overestimate the power of care in the work environment the power of forgiveness in the work environment. You can't, you, you can't because those are all the pieces of that soul that's coming to work with that emotion. So true, so true. Uh, I want to take, a, as we almost get ready to wrap up here, I want to digress back into something I read into your bio that I thought was very cool, that uh, you have been chosen the Pitt Administrator of the Year the past four years by the student body. What type of connection are you making with the student body to receive an award like that? Well, you know, I was the dean of students up until about four months ago. And and so what what meant was my job was really, really, really to be in tune with them, to meet their needs. And I made up in my mind that my goal was going to be to create the best collegiate experience in the world for my students. And I was going to do everything in my power to try to make that happen. And, and while, while I don't do that every single day to day, that's not my job anymore, it is my job to still do that from where I am because now I have even more influence over what happens institutionally to the University of Pittsburgh. And so I think the re- I think I will tell you what I think is behind that is that I was very passionate about what I what I what I, and I still am about what I do every day. That passion gave me the energy to drive harder than anybody could drive if they weren't passionate about it. You know, if I was having a bad day, I would go and sit down and just talk to students. And 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 it would you know and they would re-energize me and give me life to go back upstairs and deal with whatever mountain that I had to climb over to get to the next part of elevating their experience. And so I, I am probably out of all the honors that you listed out, probably that is probably the most important honor to me, is that the very people that I was serving acknowledged uh, acknowledged the fact that I was their really their servant in many, many ways. And so uh, I, I, I am called. They are my purpose. I love students. I, I mean, I, I love, and I love that traditional age student because of where they are. They have so much hope. Uh, my design is completely designed to, to manage them. A, a lot of people don't like that age group, right, because this is an age group where they're not really quite adults, but they are in adult form, and they, they are becoming fully 
fully in, invested adults, and our job is to make sure that they are fully functioning uh, adults when they leave us. And so uh, because that's a part of my calling, I can deal with all the nonsense that goes along with becoming an adult. It's just nonsense. I often say to people, you know, when a, when a, when a two-year-old wets their diaper, nobody gets excited. So when a college student does something that's inappropriate, you shouldn't get excited. That's a part of their developmental process. Yes, they're going to do things they shouldn't do. <laughs> that's a part of the developmental process. But if you are passionate about it, you can look over whatever they've done just like that parent looks over that wet diaper. Mm-hmm. That, that is so true. I've worked with students. I've worked with high school students in the past, and uh, it can right. be challenging at times. I'm sure you realize this and know that. Yes. But, you know, yes. at the end of the day, it can also be a blessing. I say as much as they used to frustrate me, there was times I, I really enjoyed being around those kids. I remember leaving. It was hard for me to tell them. I'm like, I can't yes. tell them this. I might break out in tears. Right. And they saw me cry. They'd be like, what's wrong with you? What you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I'm leaving. Absolutely. And it, it, it just pains me to tell y'all I'm leaving. And the funny thing is right. I was uh, I wasn't married at the time, but I eventually ended up getting married not too long after I left. And two of the guys from the program actually being end up being ushers in my wedding. Oh, wonderful! Uh, they end up yeah. I, I, and, uh, there was a group of guys I stuck with and used to go to basketball games and things. So it was like, look, just because I'm leaving, don't mean doesn't mean I'm leaving y'all. You know, y'all got my number. Right. Something comes up, call me. I, I'll still serve as a mentor to y'all. I'll do right. what I can to help y'all. I'm, I'm there for y'all. And, and I'm yeah, glad to absolutely. say we've had a relationship since then. And uh, it was a true blessing on both halves. I think one guy yeah. said, man, Mr. Kells, you're the most positive black role model I have around. Uh, and that, and say, that means uh, a lot. role model, I should say. Positive role yeah. model. And, yeah, that was, something, that was really a lot. Like, I'm glad I could be something to help you. But guess what? Right. Now he's a father, and he's got a... He's got a young daughter as well, and I see things he posts on Facebook, and I'm like, hmm, I'm glad to see the man you've become. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, one thing I like to always ask people is uh, to find out, you know, what book you're reading that's giving you inspiration or, you know, what YouTube video have you are you watching or, you know, what CD are you listening to that helps inspire you? So, uh Pick any one of those topics you'd like to expound on. Your well, it's interesting that you say that. So so up until about a week ago when Google decided no longer to carry YouTube, <laughs> I watched every single day T.D. Jakes. Okay. And I love T.D. Jakes because, and I would watch it in the morning before I went to work because it's a part of my positive belief system that I create for myself. He's always talking about something positive. He's always talking about something that's driving you to the next level of your life. And he oftentimes talks about leadership, oftentimes. Although he's a minister, he speaks about leadership and about how we maneuver this life on a daily basis. And that encourages me uh, a lot. You know, I, I said to my sons, I said, you know, the reason why I go to church every Sunday is because it, it, it douses me in, in um uh, in direction for my next week, and it gives me uh, more courage, and it makes me stand stronger and stand more boldly the next week. So that's something that's a part of my system. Uh, I'm getting uh, ready to read the book David and Goliath. I don't know if you've seen that book, um, but I'm getting ready to read it, and, and it is written by 
oh, the author is escaping me. But it's pretty popular out there yet yet now. I have I'm going to my husband and are celebrating our thirtieth anniversary and we're going on a cruise and, and I've and I've got that book, um and I've set that aside that I'm gonna go with that next. Uh so I I just finished um uh, um Good to Great not that long ago because uh, I thought it was an interesting book to uh to try to get some tips out of. Uh, so not that long ago did I engage with that uh, book. I, I, from time to time, pick it back up uh, to uh, refresh myself with some of those concepts. I don't believe all of those concepts work, uh, but some of those concepts I do, uh, I do believe are right and are good for the workplace. Um, I routinely, uh, I routinely try to, to stay in tune and in touch with uh, what's coming out naturally in my field. And in higher education, so those kinds of that kind of information, I'm constantly reading as well. Okay, it's interesting. You make you mentioned T.D. Jakes uh, last night. I was listening to uh, uh, T.D. Jakes uh, on YouTube. Lord, give me a praying spirit, and also listen to uh, Jennifer. I might say her last name wrong. Byard, uh, get your feet wet. So when she said T.D. Jakes, yeah. I was like, oh, I was just listening to T.D. Jakes last night. Yeah. <laughs> So, hey, yeah, guy. he's good, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yes, he yes, is. He is really good. Well, Doctor Humphrey, do you have any last pieces of advice to offer to any of our listeners out there in regards to you know the, something you may have not mentioned or something like words of encouragement to help? But I just I, the only thing. Yeah, the only thing I would say is that you get one life, and you really don't know from day to day whether you're going to have another one, whether there's going to be a, another moment. From moment to moment, we don't know. And so my, 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 my advice would be is live this life like you are not going to have another day. And, and make sure that everything you do in this day fulfills you on that day because tomorrow is not promised and since it is not, uh, how the energy that we use today is important. And then the last thing I would say is something that you have kind of talked about a little bit too. When my life is not simply about me, but it is about how I serve those around me and how, um, you know, how I can make things greater because I stand in spaces. When my life, when I am not consumed with me, my life is greater. And I, I just want to encourage uh, uh, everyone to think about that. And then the last thing for me is that is that you have to have something to sustain you. You know, humans, if you are being sustained by humans, I promise you, look to be failed because they are going to fail you. You have to determine that, what's going to sustain you in the midst of that because something has to be the reason behind the design and the purpose that you are. Once again, I couldn't disagree with you more sustaining you. Um, when we met, I talked about some of the things you said. I told you reminded me of stuff I'm hearing from Les Brown all the time. I right. like to listen to uh, Jim Rohn or Darren Hardy. Get, help give me daily motivation to just make it through life. You know, I right. feel myself with positive, motivating things uh, compared to some of the, the stuff you hear on news radio or some of the stuff Absolutely. you watch Absolutely. the news. Or, yeah, yeah, so what you feel yourself with and what you listen to and 
who you're living for, your purpose. I, I agree with all those points that you have mentioned. Right. Well, Dr. Humphrey, I want to say it was a pleasure uh, to be your interview. If somebody rings my doorbell, that's just great. <laughs> it was a pleasure <laughs> to uh, interview you, and I thank you for your time and attention here, and I will be in touch shortly with a follow-up for this. And uh, All right. You again. Good. You're right. welcome. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Oh, and happy anniversary to you and your husband as well. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email Tom at tom for details.